Alright, so we can all be turning to our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Can everybody hear me okay? No, you don't have your mics on, but if you nod your head, then I'll get some kind of feedback. Okay. Alright. So, theoretically, Zoom will let me share my screen. So, I'm going to see about doing that here. Okay, so this is a picture of one of my favorite places in Israel when I went there. This is the traditional location of where Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount in Galilee. And this is the hill. Um, right to the immediate left of this picture is a huge Catholic church. Um, and... Down the hill are a couple of 21st century things. You can see the truck. You can see what I think are banana trees, banana plants. And then you got, obviously, the Sea of Galilee kind of in the beautiful background of this. Um, as we read the passage that we're going to read today and talk about it, I want you to think about being in the position of the people who heard Jesus. Imagine that you are on this hill uh, thousands of years ago, and you are watching God in the flesh as he talks to you about what is and what is really not that important about life, and helps you put everything in perspective. So, with that having been said, let's go to Matthew 6, and we're going to read 25 through 34 together. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I would imagine that there are many reasons why we might be anxious um, at this time of our lives. Um, first and foremost, probably, would be the fact that now, there's a virus going around, and we're trying to scientifically come up with answers to treat it. But it's it's raging all over the world, and so we might be anxious, first of all, about catching the virus or about spreading the virus to some vulnerable loved ones that we know of or coworkers around us. 
Um, you might be anxious because of your finances or the economy. Uh, obviously, last Monday, the Dow dropped the most points that I think it's ever dropped in a single day before. And our economy looks pretty on the edge right now. And so you might be watching the stock market. You might be watching your investments if you have anything invested. And you might be thinking about your job and thinking, you know, this is this is looking kind of iffy right now. And and obviously, as Eric mentioned to us Wednesday night, you know, he's he's kind of the first one amongst us in our community who has suffered the effects from what's going on in our in our country right now, as far as job loss. Um, you might be you might be anxious over the attitude of your friends and family. And how they're taking this, how they're looking at their lives, um, and their perspective on these things. You might be anxious because you are not sure what this is going to do to our congregation. You know, in the decades that the Deansboro group has has been meeting together and been identified together, um, even when we were Framingham before we were Teensboro. You know, this is this has never happened, I don't think, to this kind of extent before. We've had snow days, we've had blizzards, we've had times of separation, um, but nothing on this kind of level before that I know of. Um, and so we we have we have a lot of things that we could be anxious about, but regardless of the reason for that anxiety, whatever the underlying reason for it. I think all of us can look at what Jesus says in Matthew 6 and find perspective and find comfort in, in what he's saying here. Because what he's doing is he's he's basically making eight arguments against anxiety. Um, and, and all of them keep pointing back to himself and the Father who sent him as the reason why we, we don't have to worry. So look at the first reason that he gives. And, and before we launch into this, um, if you are just joining us, um, Mo announced at the very beginning that we would prefer everybody's mics to be turned off right now to reduce feedback noise. We're getting a little bit of background in that. Um, so we want to try to be as you know, not distracting if possible. So appreciate that. Okay. So look at the first thing that he says in verse 25. Life is far greater than the what sustains it physically, basically. So notice how in verse 25 he starts out by saying, therefore. So obviously that means he's connecting back to what he's just said before he launches into this discussion about anxiety. And what has he just been talking about? Well, you look up and there, like starting in verse 19, he's talking about not laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven, or, or excuse me, not laying up for yourselves treasures on earth, and instead focusing on building up things in heaven spiritually because what we have around us in our physical life isn't going to last. And so we need to make a choice, a conscious spiritual choice. You can serve God, you can serve mammon, money, but you can't serve both. Um, so that is still under discussion here. He has not flipped the switch and changed subjects completely when we get to verse 25. This is still in view. So just keep that in mind here. 
So what he says there in verse 25 is really helpful for us because um, he's, he's helping us to consider his life about the things that make life possible and moving along. You know, uh, if, if you put this in like automobile terms, is driving a car all about the gas station stops that you have to make to pump more and more fuel into uh, the, the car that you drive around? No, obviously not. Now, we all need to make gas station stops. We all need to put fuel in our vehicles. But that's not really what driving a car is all about. It's just kind of the necessary thing to keep it moving down the road. And so in the same way, you know, we all need food. Obviously, we all need clothing. We all need money. We've just been talking about that. But that's that. those are just um, means to an end. They're not the end in themselves. Uh, they're what we require to to do God's work. You know, so we don't have to think about um, all those things. Our spiritual life deserves the focus and the energy. So then uh, the second thing that he says um, in verse 26 is look at the birds and remember your value. Now keep in mind as you look at this picture that we have up on the screen, you know, they're not sitting, all these people that are listening to Jesus they're not sitting in some sort of mega building somewhere, uh, in, or in you know in some sort of lecture hall. Uh, they're sitting out in the grass. They're sitting out on a field, uh, and I have no doubt because all of them are outside, sitting around listening to him. That it's it's probably weather that has some birds around in it, and so I would imagine that as he's saying these words, he's probably gesturing around this large area and, and, you know, pointing to the birds that are maybe flying overhead above this whole crowd or landing on bushes nearby or something like that and saying, look at the, look at those creatures that we can see around us. Think about their lives. Think about what they do. They don't have a process for producing or storing up food. You know, we sometimes pride ourselves on our planning abilities and, and our, um, you know, the talents that we might have to sort of engineer processes to, to get something accomplished or to make something happen. Birds don't have any of that. <laughs> Birds wake up in the morning and they hop around the yard and they pull up one bug at a time or worm and that's what they eat. They, they can't they can't function any other way but you know even though they don't have a refrigerator and they don't have a pantry are they worried about their lives <laughs> you know they um, they don't stress about that if anything they stress about getting eaten by something bigger than them <laughs> uh, so you know, Jesus's lesson here is really powerful because what he's doing is he's making an argument from the lesser to the greater so if this is the way um, birds go about in their lives, if God takes care of them and he feeds them, what is he going to do for you? You know, unlike a bird, you're made in the image of God with an eternal soul that has a destiny far beyond what whatever sparrow or, you know, blue jay uh, has in your yard. Um, so if you're worth more to God, 
and he sent his son to die for you, which we're about to be thinking about after I get done with this thing, then keep that in mind. You know, you don't have to worry about the fact that you don't have everything figured out in your life and that things go awry and that plans fail. God knows what we need and he'll take care of us. The third reason for why we need to get rid of anxiety about our lives is in verse 27. Third reason is anxiety is pointless because it changes nothing. There's no useful purpose to it. Now, uh, depending on your translation, verse 27 is going to look different. So in the ESV that that you know that I preach out of and teach out of, it's going to say, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? But if you're using New King James or King James, it's going to be talking about um, how can you add one cubit to your stature? Um, but I think either way you take that, the point is the same. Whether we're talking about adding inches to our physical height or we're adding you know, uh, hours, days to our, our lives, you know what, he, what he's saying here is it doesn't change Which anything. You know, worrying, if anything, just takes away uh, your life okay. um, it, because it's outside. Everything's outside of our control. Same here. You know what? What the other people around us think and do is not something that we have a lot of say over. Uh, what happens to the American economy? What happens with this virus? You know, we we, we would really like to know. Uh, what is going to pan out ahead of time and we try to calculate and we try to make graphs and we try to compute and, and we try to store up and we try to do all these things but ultimately you know um, all the social distancing in the world all of the not touching your face all of the washing your hands with, with hot soap and water um, all of the efforts to flatten the curve, those are all good goals. I think we should be heeding the warnings and trying to do the best that we can with those things. But ultimately, the virus is not under our control and a lot of things about it. Um, and it's, it's, been, it's been interesting to watch the news. I've been trying to stay off of the news for the most part because it's just like 24-7. <laughs> gloom and doom, uh, but it's been interesting to see the shift in the national conversation because our our administration, our federal administration, was saying at the beginning, we've got this under control. <laughs> we don't have to worry about this at all. And then, oh, you know, over the weeks, it's kind of shifted to more of a serious conversation about how this is, this is spreading, and, and we don't really have this completely under our control. And we need to have proper perspective about that. So anxiety partly comes from thinking that the burden rests upon our shoulders to make things happen or not happen. Uh, but these are things that we ultimately have no power to change. We're not God. Um, and so it doesn't make sense to crush our minds with, with these, these futile thoughts. Okay, number four. The fourth reason that he mentions here is in verses 28 through 30, where he's going to say, look at the flowers. You know, he's, he's already said, look at the birds. Now he's going to kind of point around the field and say, look at the flowers. They have plenty of clothes. 
Um, and, and when he's talking about them not having to toil, not having to spin, obviously he's not saying flowers are lazy, flowers just aren't pulling their weight. Um, well, <laughs> what he's saying is their beautiful clothing comes from an outside source besides themselves. They did not have to produce them. God is the one who has clothed them in this beautiful way. And, and what Jesus does is he pulls, and he's talking to Jews, uh, remember. So what he's going to do is he's going to pull out the, the, the king that all of the Jews would have held up as the best king that they ever knew of. So he says, these lilies that you can go down there by, by the sea and look at, they're, they're more beautiful than even Solomon was. But they're just flowers. God gives this kind of beauty to things that just, you know, they pop up and then they go poof and they don't last. And we talked about this a little bit uh, Wednesday night, that, that flowers look beautiful in March and in April um, and, and maybe a little bit beyond that. But it, it's just a very short time span and then they're gone. So if God does this to these temporary little plants, what is he going to do for us? Uh, as far as his awareness of what we what we need and his ability to help us um, to have the things that we need. He's going to take care of us. Okay, fifth reason of the eighth is in 31 and 32, where he's going to say, you know, people without God worry, but you're not one of those people. You're, you have God in your life. You're not one of these Gentiles. Um, again, that's where I think really the meaning of that word here in this context is just somebody who, who doesn't have the Creator in a personal way in his life, working in him, trusting in God. Um, and, and so they have reason to stress about their lives because they, they do think it's all up to them to make things happen in the way that, that they should. Uh, and this reminds me of, if you go back to chapter 5, you notice in verse 45 of chapter 5, he, God does say that he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And so from God's perspective, he's going to help everybody, uh, especially his people, but he's going he's gonna to help even wicked people. But the wicked people don't know that. You know, from their perspective, it is all on their shoulders. Uh, but he says, look, you, you know who God is, and you, you can have assurance uh, in, in a better way than, than they can. Um, and so we, we know better than to panic. We know better than to think that uh, we have to spend sleepless nights uh, being concerned about what's going to happen to our lives. Because we, we know we have a God who is not only more powerful than any other problem we can face, but, but also has the care to, to give us that power. Okay, the sixth reason is in the last part of verse 32, where he's really talking about the awareness of God. God is keenly aware of everything that we need so, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Um, God created our bodies. 
he created the digestion system. You know, he's talking about, he knows you need food, he knows you need drink, he knows you need clothes. You know, uh, if, if you go back all the way to Genesis 3, and you recall Adam and Eve tried to do something with fig leaves, but it was really God who provided them the first real clothes that they ever had. You know, God is the original designer uh, of clothes. Uh, and, and so if, if he knows that we have all these needs, he's the reason why that we exist in the first place, then of course he knows uh, how to give us what we require. And, and, and you notice how the way that he refers to God is is by the name Father in this verse. And really, if you go and you look throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus continually calls God Father over and over and over um, in order to make this point, because this is a human relationship that we can identify with, that we have some sort of context for. You know what? God is not this oblivious spiritual force lurking out in the outer reaches of space. It just doesn't really know what's going on here on planet Earth at the ground level. Now, he's he's a father to us. What does a good father do? A good father understands what his children need. A good father um, looks at his children and, and studies them and gauges the needs of this child and the needs of this child. And it's not always the same need that this other child has. Um, but a good father takes care of all of those different needs according to each child's um, requirements uh, because he's modeling his behavior off of the perfect father because that's what God does to all of us. And then number seven is in verse 33. Everything that you need for kingdom work is going to be given to you. He says, 33, here's what you need to be really seeking after. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know, he's been talking about don't seek in this obsessive kind of way food and drink and worry and all these things that the Gentiles seek. Here's what you should be directed towards is what God is actually concerned about, what he thinks about, what's important to him. Um, I, I think this really fits with a psalm that I was thinking about in preparing for this. Psalm 37 in verse 25 says this, and I'll just go ahead and quote this. You can, you can go look up this psalm later, but the writer says, I've been young and now am old, and yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Uh, obviously, this doesn't mean that we're n- never going to go through a time of hunger or want for some physical things. You know, even Jesus said to his followers, "You know, you can you can follow after me, but I don't have a place to lay my head down at night. I don't have I don't have a, all the physical comforts of life. Those are not guaranteed to us. But what he what he is saying here is." I'm going to use you for my kingdom, and I'm going to give you those things that you need in order to concentrate on the really important stuff. So, you know, if we bring this down to us, and we think about our time here, I see this time, however long this time lasts, as a really, really neat opportunity to grow spiritually 
in perhaps some ways that we don't usually get to. Um, I would imagine, I don't think this is true of all of us. I know this is not true of all of us. But for many of us, we have more time on our hands than we usually do. So the question that I'm trying to ask myself and the question that I'd, I'd like to ask all of us to think about is, what are we planning to do with this extra time on our hands? Um, what we could do is drown our brains in Disney Plus <laughs> or Netflix or you know some sort of entertainment source and just just say, well, um, I have more free time, so I'll just I'll just kind of waste it on that. Um, or we can use this to dig into scripture perhaps in a deeper way than we usually have time to do. Um, or concentrate on prayer to a greater extent than we usually have time to do. Um, and pray for all the needs that are cropping up, uh, not just in our church community, but in other church communities around the world and with all of the people that are struggling with the virus. I mean, there are a lot of things that we can go to God about right now. And, and I'm sure even more in the coming days and weeks. So are we are we doing those things? Are we contacting other Christians and around here and offering to serve them more because we are more free to do that? Um, there's all kinds of things that we can do. Um, so this is this is something we need to think about in terms of our own lives. Are we seeking first? the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all times and especially during this strange time where where you know some of us are you know um, working from home more and have less to do something to think about <clears throat> okay and then the eighth reason that he's going to give here is in verse 34 the way he closes this out You've only been given today, so use the moment you have. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So if we're going to be good servants, we have to think rightly about time. We have no control whatsoever about what happened in the past, the things that we've done, both good and bad, um, yesterday and everything before it is locked into history. And we really have no control over what happens tomorrow. Um, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen to our personal lives you know, in the coming weeks and months. Um, but we have today. And we live on a moment-to-moment -moment basis, and so we need to not let the stress of what is going to happen potentially rob us of the productivity that we could have in using this this day uh, for for the work of God. So, what this sermon is really about, uh, what this passage in twenty-five through thirty-four is really about is basically this teaching that Jesus is going to take care of the the important things that we need for our lives so that we can concentrate on the most important things that he has for us to do. And what's neat about this passage is it so clearly points forward to the cross in that sin and death and the need to repair 
this broken relationship between us and God, that is obviously the most important thing that we could concentrate on that he accomplished for us. So, yes, he's going to give us food, he's going to give us drink, he's going to give us toilet paper, <laughs> he's going to give us the, the, the little things that we need, he's going he's gonna to provide financially for us in, in all these different ways. But even more than all these things, he's talking about here in Matthew 6, he's going to be our spiritual rock for eternity. And I think that's, when, when you end the sermon at the end of chapter 7, as he finishes up all of these different things that he said on this little hill, um, the way he ends is, you need to be like the wise man who builds his house on a rock, so that when the winds blow and the floods came and beat on that house, it's not going to fall because it's, it has a foundation that's actually going to last instead of this foolish man who builds his house on the sands in 726. So this is really, um, to some extent, kind of a, a storm, wind, flood moment for all of us. Uh, what's our foundation like? You know, um, ultimately, we have a Savior who has come down here and stood on little hills like that one right there in the picture and ran around talking about the most important thing that he was going to do, and then he did it. Uh, we're following that Lord today. And because of that, with Jesus, we don't have to worry about anything. Um, Philippians is a passage that I used as a, as a text to write an article. I don't, I don't know if that article's been sent out yet, but it, it's been posted on Facebook. You can go look at it. Um, you know, he, he, there's, there's nothing that we need to be anxious about, but in everything with prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. Paul says to the Philippians who are dealing with a, a very anxious situation of their own, um, there is no cause for worry. Be um, ultimately because we've been given the cross. He died, he rose, he's still alive, he's reigning as king, and he's not gonna he's not gonna disappear. Your bank account might. Uh, your your groceries might. Um, but like Habakkuk said, even though there's not uh, a whole bunch of cattle in the stall, uh, we're still gonna praise the Lord.